Well, the sort of turning point, really, in my sort of thinking about perception, indeed initiated my interest in perception, was studying a man who was born blind, I'll go into that in case we need to qualify in a minute, and then got his sight back when he was 52 by operation. And he was called Sidney Bradford, we always call him S.B. And this was really the turning point. What happened if you suddenly got sight from no sight over years? And this was discussed by John Locke originally, suggested in a letter from Molyneux, who's an Irish friend, what would happen if, you know, well, here was a case, it really did happen. This chap was effectively blind from birth and then got his sight back. Uh, so this is terribly exciting. How did I get onto that? I got onto that through my research assistant, who was called Jean Wallace, very, very nice lady. We worked for years together. And she read in her local newspaper, she lived somewhere in Birmingham, I believe, that this operation was about to happen. It was before the operation. So she showed me this little note in her local newspaper, and we decided to jolly well go and have a look. So we were there at the time of the operation, and we studied him as soon as we could after the operation, probably about one day, certainly not more, uh, after the operation. And we found a middle-aged, very sensible sort of chap who was walking around, apparently using his eyes. He apparently guided himself through doorways by looking, you know. And we did a lot of tests on him, and he was very cooperative. I borrowed an alarm clock from a nurse, turned the hands around to different times, and I found he could read the time with his eyes, although he'd been blind 52 years. And what on earth was going on? And he then produced from his upper pocket in his jacket a big watch which opened. It was a hunter. And he flipped it open. It had no glass in it. You could feel the hands. He put his fingers on the hand, move like that, and told us the time immediately by touch from his watch. And it turned out that he could use touch knowledge from when he'd been blind to seeing things, such as telling the time. More than that, he could actually read uppercase letters, that is, capital letters. They'd been taught to the kids in the blind school uh, as they were engraved on wooden blocks and the children were made to run their fingers around the grooves in the blocks, showing the letters. And it, they could read letters in um, brass plates and this sort of thing by touch. You know, enough letters for, apparently for that. But only uppercase letters, this is crucial. I was wearing a raincoat for some reason in the ward. I don't know why, but I was. And um, it had a magazine in the pocket which was Everybody's, which at that time was a very well-known magazine. And he looked at it, didn't feel or touch it, of course, looked at it and said, is that Everybody's? Now, I was flabbergasted, but let's analyse what happened. First of all, he knew the name Everybody's and Everybody's was a magazine from talking to people. He had a lot of knowledge in his head. It then turned out that he could read the letters just showing above my pocket, which was the E and the V, particularly, which were in uppercase. The knowledge he had as a child, childish experience, transferred to vision at the operation. It was already available to him. 
and was available to him after he'd been operated on because it transferred from touch to vision. And I think this was the first example of clear evidence of transfer from touch to vision. And we showed him a whole load of illusions and we showed them those because I simply used what I used for my students in practical classes because it was the thing that was to hand. I filled up my car with these different things and we tried them out, you know, because anything went. I mean, we had only a day or something to prepare these things, you see. And we found that his illusions, that is, these distortions, were minimal. I think they were there a little bit, but minimal. And that made me realise that it couldn't be a physiological difference, it must be a cognitive difference, it must be experience or knowledge of these shapes, you know, which were important. And so I very soon got the view that these illusions are really cognitive phenomena, not just physiological phenomena of the signals being disturbed in the eye or something. Thank you.